Taiwan reported 54 new local cases on Tuesday, setting a new low since the start of Level 3 restrictions in May. With viral transmission slowing down, hospital beds are freeing up. Health authorities have asked hospitals to return to the policy of admitting only one COVID patient per room. Also on Tuesday, officials added one case to the Delta strain cluster in Pingdong. This was a farmer diagnosed with COVID last Saturday. Uh, gene sequencing showed that he had been infected with the highly contagious Delta strain, and there are now nine cases in Pingdong's Delta cluster. There are also five potential cases, including the farmer's wife, whose gene sequencing results are still pending. Taiwan has plummeted to number 44 in the world in Bloomberg's latest COVID resilience ranking, a measure of how well countries are handling the pandemic. In the latest ranking, Bloomberg added a metric called reopening progress, which reflects vaccination rates, lockdown severity and flight capacity recovery. These were all criteria that Taiwan scored poorly on. Commenting on Taiwan's drop in the ranking, KMT Chairman Johnny Zhang said the government needed to speed up vaccine procurement. DPP lawmaker Huang Shijie called on the public and local governments to work together to boost vaccination rates. In Bloomberg's latest COVID resilience ranking, number one goes to the U.S., which is well on its way to exiting the pandemic. But Taiwan, which once stood at world number two, is now 44 out of 53, the 10th from the bottom. It was given a color code of orange, indicating poor performance in all four criteria used to evaluate reopening progress. Its vaccine coverage was low at 4 percent. And unlike countries that were regaining their flight capacity, Taiwan posted a 91.5 percent drop in flights since 2019, the worst showing of all countries in the ranking. The government's so-called policy of think ahead, act ahead is a sham. The legislative yuan gave you a budget of 30, 40 billion NT. Where did it all go? Not only were you unable to procure vaccines with that money, all we have to show for it is this bottom-of-the-barrel international ranking. Cut the propaganda, own up to your mistakes and do better. Act now rather than never. Get us more vaccines. Bloomberg says that parts of the Asia-Pacific that previously fared well, such as Singapore, Hong Kong and Australia, had plummeted in the latest ranking due to their limited ability to reopen and a lack of tolerance for small virus flare-ups. It says that Taiwan crashed into the bottom half of the list due to a lagging vaccination drive and a resurgent outbreak. The outbreak is showing signs of slowing down. This is the final stretch. Reaching the end will depend on everybody and especially our local governments cooperating with epidemic prevention measures. What we need to do now is boost vaccination rates. Since March, Taiwan has obtained vaccines from its own purchase orders as well as from other countries through donations. So far, Taiwan has received 4.856 million vaccines, far from the amount needed to achieve herd immunity. The Central Epidemic Command Center says it will explore new avenues of vaccine procurement. It also calls on people eligible for shots to get vaccinated, saying that protecting oneself is key to a return to normalcy. Insurance plans for the COVID vaccine are booming. Since the first such package was launched in April, tens of thousands of Taiwanese have signed up. Seven companies now offer compensation for negative reactions to the COVID jab. Most plans cost just $500 but offer hundreds of thousands in compensation for the worst-case scenario. Let's compare the options. 
The vaccine is available to more and more people across Taiwan. And for insurance companies, that's a big opportunity. There are lots of firms in the market. Most offer compensation for adverse effects within 28 days of the jab if you have to go to the hospital. Claimants can get between 2,000 to 3,000 NT for a hospital stay. Some plans extend the protection for 90 days. We set it at 90 days from the start. We actually got the data from abroad, from the WHO, showing the results of different vaccines and trials from various countries. Based on figures from abroad about the risks, seven companies now offer vaccine insurance packages. Anyone up to the age of 80 can get insured with Hotai Insurance, Chongguo Insurance and Nanshan Life. Funeral costs from 100 to 300,000 NT are offered by all except Fubon Bank. But Fubon's offer is good for more than just the COVID-19 vaccine. Since we launched the plan on June 25th, we've had thousands of expressions of interest. That's a very high number for just a few days. The earliest firm to the party was Chubb Limited. Its plan launched in late April and now has over 150,000 customers, while Hotai claims its plan jumped from 13,000 customers to 36,000 in one week. Jungul says it counts its customers over 10,000, too. The latest plan, from Tokyo Marine Nua Insurance, has only been on the market for three days, but already collected 1,000 buyers. Insiders expect demand to keep growing. Taiwan's vaccine program now covers adults 75 and up, as well as residents and workers in residential long-term care facilities. But senior care advocates say priority should also be given to the many foreign caregivers and family members who look after older adults at home. Formosa News reporter Stephanie Yang has more. The global pandemic is spreading and afflicting families worldwide. The Taiwan Association of Family Caregivers is urging the government to allow vaccines for primary family caregivers and foreign care workers, as well as the adults they look after, regardless of age. Priority for vaccines should be given to those eligible for long-term care including those who use the long-term care 2.0 service or who need foreign caregivers. These care recipients as well as their primary caregivers should be covered. Among these primary caregivers, there are about 200,000 migrant workers. This is what makes our situation different from the rest of the world. Right now in Taiwan, most older adults are being looked after by their own families. The association says that there are currently about 800,000 people with disabilities in Taiwan, including those with dementia and physical handicaps. Only about 10 percent of them, or roughly 100,000 people, live in long-term care institutions. The rest live at home. Out of the other 700,000 people who require care, about 30 percent are looked after by foreign care workers. One Filipino caregiver was dismayed by the death tolls. Her parents in the Philippines had already been vaccinated, but she hasn't received the jab, so she was afraid to go out to run errands. Because of this, she got into conflicts with her employer. The fear is always there. 20% of family caregivers are ill, yet they must care for the disabled family members. Many people take care of them alone. There is no one to sub in for them. Some even care for family members with dementia or mental disabilities. 
The pandemic has aggravated their situation, so they need special attention and support from the government. The association says Taiwan should give priority vaccine access to all long-term care recipients and their primary caregivers to help keep families safe. For Most of News, Stephanie Yang, Lu Botong in Taipei. Taiwan has climbed two spots to number two in the world rankings for men's baseball. In the World Baseball Softball Confederation's latest rankings, Taiwan had its highest placement in history, second in the world after Japan. But all of the countries are in top five, only Taiwan will be absent from the Tokyo Olympics after pulling out of the last qualifier due to COVID concerns. The world rankings are based on each country's performance in international competitions over the previous four years, from U12 to professional events. Since no international events took place in 2020, the latest rankings were based mainly on performance in 2018 and 2019. For Taiwanese baseball, 2019 was an especial good year. Its players won the U-12 World Cup, the U-12 World Cup, the U-18 World Cup and the Asian Baseball Championship. The Taiwan-U.S. trade and investment framework negotiations will take place virtually on Wednesday after a five-year hiatus. President Tsai Ing-wen says that one important agenda for Taiwan will be simplifying import and export procedures for COVID vaccines. Over in Washington, the White House press secretary was asked to comment on Beijing's outcry over Wednesday's trade talks. White House Press Secretary Jen Psaki responded that U.S. support for Taiwan is rock solid and that the U.S. will continue to strengthen its relationship with Taiwan across all areas, including trade. After five years, U.S.-Taiwan TIFA talks will resume Wednesday via teleconference. During our TIFA negotiations, we will address trade issues from the past as well as issues that respond to the current global situation, and we will discuss them one by one. Bilateral trade issues and global issues that Taiwan and the U.S. face together will be advanced in a structured and paced manner. For the TIFA talks that open tomorrow, we have one important item on the agenda, that is, simplifying import and export procedures for vaccines and other medical supplies. This would be of great help to us at this present stage as we work to contain the epidemic. And we will continue to strengthen our trade relationship with Taiwan, which is why we are looking forward to the upcoming Trade and Investment Framework Agreement Council meeting, which was recently announced. During the meeting, Deputy Trade Representative Yang Zhenni will take the lead in negotiating Taiwan's interests with the Office of the United States Trade Representative. Beijing has lodged a protest against the planned talks. In response, the White House reiterated that Taiwan was an important partner. Uh, we have also been clear publicly and privately about our growing concerns about China's aggressions toward Taiwan, and the PRC has taken increasingly coercive action to undercut democracy in Taiwan. Ahead of the TIFA meeting, Taiwan's de facto U.S. envoy Xiaobi Kim addressed the meeting on Facebook. She said it was an urgent imperative for Taiwan to enhance relations with major trading partners and to strive for more international space and cooperative ventures. Over the past decade or so, controversial issues such as ractopamine and U.S. meat were the biggest obstacle to deeper trade ties. Although lifting the ractopamine ban led to a fierce backlash domestically, she said, it mobilized bipartisan support in the U.S. and prompted the resumption of Taiwan-U.S. trade dialogue. She said she hoped the goodwill and mutual trust between the two sides would drive the negotiation of a bilateral trade agreement.
Tifa 呢，是我们一个复谈，是一个 restarting Tifa is restarting economic and trade negotiations. Taiwan and the U.S. may have the opportunity to arrive at a free trade agreement, investment pacts, and arrangements for the avoidance of double taxation. Those are all goals that we hope to achieve through this platform. In the upcoming Tifa talk, supply chain issues will be on the agenda for the first time. Taiwan is expected to propose the signing of a bilateral trade agreement modeled after the pact between Japan and South Korea. Officials are upbeat that the return of Tifa marks a bright beginning. The U.S. and Japan's Oriental Shield training drills are underway, and they're the largest in 36 years. The event's scale and scope are seen as a response to China's military expansionism and to tensions in the Taiwan Strait. Speaking to a U.S. think tank on Monday, Japan's deputy defense minister said that Japan and Taiwan were like brothers. He called on the world to wake up to Chinese aggression against Taiwan, saying that democratic countries must protect one another. The annual U.S.-Japan Orient Shield training exercises began on June 24th and will last 18 days to July 11th. The drills involve some 3,000 service members, making this year's edition the largest in 36 years. It's seen as a pointed message for Beijing, and with the drills underway, Japan's deputy defense minister has underscored his support for Taiwan. Red line of the 21st century of the Asia is、uh, Taiwan Strait. We have to protect the Taiwan. Uh, as a democratic country. Speaking to the U.S.'s Hudson Institute think tank, Japan's Deputy Defense Minister Nakayama Yasuhide said that Japan and Taiwan were more like brothers than friends. He said that if something happened to Taiwan, it would affect Japan's Okinawa Prefecture, where U.S. troops are stationed. Nakayama is among several Japan officials who have floated the prospect of coming to Taiwan's defense. Japan's defense minister Kishi Nobuo said recently that Taiwan's security is Japan's security. Prime Minister Suga Yoshihide said it was quote a very natural thing for the G7 leaders to call for peace and stability across the Taiwan Strait. Chief Cabinet Secretary Kato Katsunobu said Japan would continue to follow closely the developments in the Strait. In the halls of Japan's government, support for Taiwan has become increasingly unambiguous. It's one China policy, as you know. It's a history. What happening and the results of the 50 years ago decision making was it right? Japan's deputy defense chief also questioned the decision of many countries to follow the One China policy. He pointed out the China-Russia collaboration was becoming a growing threat. He said that under the leadership of Xi Jinping, China has become increasingly aggressive, and that the world needed to wake up to the fact. Even Japan's diplomatic apparatus has shifted toward a policy of protecting Taiwan. That's not to mention the shift in Japan's defense ministry and its military. My view is that these countries are shifting their support for Taiwan from strategic ambiguity to constructive clarity. These democratic nations are laying their military strategies out in the open for China to see, to serve as a clear deterrence to Beijing. National security researcher Su Ziyun said that so far this year, several international summits have made statements on the security of the Taiwan Strait. Su said that global leaders are warning China that if it takes rash action, democratic nations will not sit idly by. Well, there's a lot less travel going on within Taiwan since Level Three began. 
that's led the Taiwan Railways Administration to reduce the number of trains on its tracks, and that's bitten into the bottom line for businesses that thrive on station concourses. Now TRA has announced massive reductions to rents for floor space in Hualien Railway Station, an effort to help stores stay afloat through the crisis. Hualien Railway Station is empty of its normal crowds. Popular shops and restaurants have pulled down the steel grill for a long pause, cutting back on employee salaries and utilities. Due to COVID, even Hualien's famous specialty gift shops are closed for business. Only Taiwan Railway Bento is managing to stay open. But with eating banned on trains, sales are slow. Since the Level 3 alert began, our sales volume has fallen by about 60 percent. Our bento boxes and railway products have all been impacted. TRA has reduced railway services, and many companies that rent space in the station have either suspended operations or are facing heavy losses. Some have launched promotional offers, like vastly discounted lunch boxes, but that's only boosted turnover by 10 percent. That's led TRA to reduce rents and offer rental payment plans to ease the financial pressure on concessions. We're going to reduce by 50 percent our fixed monthly rental payments and fixed premium payments from May 15th to August 31st this year. Currently, the shopping mall in the station is run by a contractor. In the future, private operators will be required to pass the benefit of reduced rents and premiums onto businesses so everyone can get through the pandemic together. As COVID spreads, concern is rising about older adults who live alone. In the first few months of 2021, there were over 600,000 older adults living alone in Taiwan. With level three COVID alert restrictions in place, the isolation of such individuals might be worse than ever, especially with suspicion about virus transmission falling heavily on older people. Some communities have stepped up their efforts to call on the elderly uh, neighbors and make sure they're doing okay. A volunteer picks up the phone. Every other day, she has a chat with older residents who live alone in the local community, circling their names on a list when she makes contact. <laughs> the volunteers also send neighbors essential supplies like rice and oats. According to Interior Ministry figures for the first quarter of this year, nearly 620,000 households had someone who was 65 or older. A record 76 percent of these households comprised of just the one individual, meaning that 470,000 senior citizens were living alone. The largest concentration is in New Taipei, where there are 93,000 older adults living alone, followed by almost 70,000 in Taipei City and 60,000 in Kaohsiung. Some fear that older citizens could spread COVID in these tense times. Sometimes when I take the garbage out, people say to me, why aren't you wearing a mask? So I rush back home. We're worried that nobody is caring for these elders. So two or three times a week, twice a week probably, we go and make a call on these citizens living alone. We don't want anything to happen as it sometimes is reported on the news that somebody passes away at home and nobody knows. As COVID spreads, the majority of confirmed cases and mortalities are among the over-60s. Recently, an elderly citizen was tragically found dead at their home where they had lived alone. This community in New Taipei is stepping up its care for elderly citizens in an effort to leave nobody out.
Well, plum rain season is about to be behind us, and that means it's time for even hotter weather and typhoons. That's right. We're on our way into typhoon season. In the second half of this year, 20 to 25 tropical storms are expected to form in the northwest Pacific Ocean. Taiwan could take a direct hit from three or four of them. The sun hangs high, baking everything below. Thursday marks the end of the plum rain season, which means that summer temps are due for a comeback. The CWB says that this season's plum rainfall was typical, but this May was the hottest on record with an average of 27.8 degrees, 1.8 degrees above the month's historical average. Not only that, the average temperature for this May and June combined was the second highest on record. 17 weather stations recorded record high temperatures in the month of May. This was quite a sweltering month. The average temperature for May and June as recorded by 13 of our weather stations was 28.06 degrees. That's 1.08 degrees higher than the average and second only to last year's highs. Taiwan will also be hotter than usual from July to September, though normal amounts of rain are expected. So far this year, five tropical storms have formed in the northwestern Pacific Ocean. Typically, 20 to 25 storms form in the region between June and December. Whether any of them hit Taiwan will depend on the location of the North Pacific High. Over the past few years, the North Pacific higher has been higher up, which in terms of typhoon movement means that they track toward Japan or South Korea. If the North Pacific high is intense, then typhoons are more likely to hit China and Taiwan. Most of those typhoons would move toward the Philippines, and their paths would veer to the west. The CWB says three to four tropical storms could hit Taiwan this year. This year, it will issue advisories for tropical depressions five days in advance to give people more time to prepare for inclement weather.